Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Welcome back, guys. DGS on KMOX. Really excited to talk to my next guest, uh, Dr. Jeff Meldrum, professor of anthropology and anatomy at Idaho State University. Doc, it's a pleasure to meet you. Thanks for being with us today. My pleasure. Thanks for the invitation. So, Jeff, let me introduce myself to you. I normally wouldn't do this, but given what we're going to talk about, Bigfoot Sasquatch, I want to just kind of give you a little background on me. So, 24 years as a radio show host. Uh, Ten years before that, I was an attorney, uh, religious agnostic, skeptic overall, but uh, known over my quarter century of doing lots of paranormal shows and uh, very uh, friendly to the topic. I'm especially into Bigfoot. I'm one of those guys like you that every Christmas is Bigfoot underwear and, and whatnot. Uh, I've watched you for years. I love Sasquatch Chronicles with Wes. And then in 2020, I had my own encounter on the top of the mountain in Vail, which I'd be happy to tell you about at some point if you want to hear about it. But just so you know, uh, you're, you're in very safe harbor. I was probably watching you last night on, on one of the movies or, or the television shows that I watch. And I, I appreciate your bravery academically and scholastically to do what you've done. So I know you very well. A lot of people in the audience will not know you. So uh, give my audience here at KMOX sort of an introduction to you and and what it is that you do. Well, you you capped a lot of the high points already. I I teach uh, human gross anatomy in the health professions here at Idaho State University uh, at the graduate level. And I teach uh, also do research on the evolution of human bipedalism, locomotor adaptations, how how organisms move about through the environment, um, <clears throat> including encompassing a lot of vertebrates uh, as well as a focus on humans. And that's what kind of set me up uh, in this position is I'm you know very familiar with not only the anatomy, but the function the uh, you know the comparative examples amongst living species um, and, and extinct uh, fossilized footprints uh, and and to interpret those of course the extensive study of living examples. So when I came up face to face with a long line of fifteen inch tracks that were remarkably fresh, I mean less than eight hours uh, old, um, it was quite the um, uh, affirming experience, I guess you'd say. I mean, it wasn't like it changed my world or, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, overturned anything because I had, I had much as you, it seems, uh, longstanding interest in this, in this subject, but they were always kind of peripheral and marginalized 
Uh, it had seemed that since my youthful days, useful interests, so much water had gone under the bridge and nothing had been resolved, that probably it never would, uh, that there wasn't sufficient to make it a compelling argument. And I learned that that was not the case. I mean, it's anyone who will objectively and from an informed position examine the evidence uh, will will of necessity acknowledge the uh, very justified pursuit of this question at the very least, if not be, as in my case, quite convinced, short of having the physical specimen in hand, that there is something to this, these to these stories. Something is leaving footprints, something is shedding hair, is being witnessed by, um, by uh, objective, reasonable, level-headed, sober people. Um, and so that's that's kind of yeah. where we're at. Doc, um, <clears throat> I, I love the, the stories of the encounters, and I probably have literally listened to somewhere between 1,000 and 1,500 of them. Uh, being a former attorney, I have a pretty good BS meter, and there's been a couple of dozen that I thought, this guy, just he just wants to tell a story. But most, sure. most of them I find very compelling. I find them quite believable. But your work is really, because I'm more of a scientifically-minded guy, and while we both know that there have been hoaxers uh, over the decades and still are, that for people to uh, come up with the mid-tarsal break or right. dermal ridges, I mean, we're if people right. are doing that, they're wasting their time because they're geniuses. Right. I, I mean, in, in a way, that's very true. The, the transparent, the obvious hoaxes are so blatantly transparent that it's, it, that they're laughable. Uh, there have been more, some, a few examples of of more sophisticated efforts by the part of uh, enthusiastic skeptics with the goal of embarrassing or proving somebody wrong, uh, which is unfortunate in, in a serious investigation to have to deal with that. But but you're absolutely right. The, the, the sophistication of the anatomy and the form and function uh, and the fact that, which is so impressive to me, that you know the, these extend the, the 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 public knowledge the awareness of this topic extends in the states back to the late 50s in in canada even earlier by a decade or two those examples illustrate some of these subtleties of anatomy or or um, the uh, observation of details of anatomy of uh, the creature itself uh, let alone its footprints actually anticipate by decades sometimes our current understanding of the of the um, evidence of, of human evolution and the and the adaptations exhibited in uh, for example fossilized feet and footprints associated with our early bipedal ancestors that's what blows me away is yeah. how if you know who's passing out the little black book <laughs> and the crystal ball <laughs> yeah to to look to 20 years down the road and because at the time many of these things like take the the patterson gimlin film uh the the most iconic image in 1967 so much of what you see on that screen uh is counterintuitive to the conventional wisdom of the time of the day but yet actually anticipates unusual anatomies or combinations of anatomies that didn't become understood until uh subsequent discoveries in the 
fossil record and and further uh, studies of of living examples of of primates and humans. You know, you know, give give Roger the the luck of the draw on one or maybe two, but six, seven, eight yeah. of these impressive, independent, uh, but yet internally correlated uh, features. I mean that that is kind of beyond. Uh, sheer coincidence in my opinion we are talking to dr jeff meldrum if you're into bigfoot or sasquatch like i am you know jeff uh if not he's a professor of anthropology and anatomy at idaho state university so jeff as much as i'm into the topic of sasquatch i'm even more into the anthropology in general as is my co-host kevin here and i think that our generation scientifically you and i were contemporaries in age uh it's really about what we thought we knew about human evolution and how right. how wrong we were and how much farther back we go when we stood up and walked across the savannah, how far mm-hmm. back we can go when we had societies and art. Uh, if you can talk a little bit about that, you can bring Sasquatch in if you want, or you can stay strictly mainstream. Well, I, I think we can place now Sasquatch in the mainstream, and that's what's so interesting. Back back uh you know when i was a, a a youngster the evolution the evolutionary tree was kind of a scrawny looking it was kind of like a charlie brown christmas tree and there was one central stem uh of a, a series of species each succeeded by a subsequent this very linear impression of the progress of human evolution and sometimes gave that false impression of this purposeful striving towards the human condition now we understand that that tree was very full was very bushy with multiple parallel branches and that if you you know stepped in a time machine and went back um tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of years if not millions you would see numerous species of hominoid ape-like ancestors or even our bipedal ancestors you know the uh, australopithecines for example of paranthropines and so on before even before the emergence of homo with its tremendous diversity as well and the flip side of that coin so to speak is the fact that um, these discoveries have also impressed us by the fact that many of these parallel running branches have persisted into very recent time if not the present, if you advocate the existence of these relics, these relic hominoids, as I refer to them. Um, and so Sasquatch now, as well as the Yeti, the Russian Almas, the Chinese Yeren, uh, the Orang Pendek of Indonesia, these things now are not just oddities. They're not just, uh, you know, mythological figures that are are you know, shelved in cultural anthropology texts, but rather they um, could well be relict species, persistent branches on this very bushy tree that have survived into the present. So it's very, it's very mainstream. It's not. Uh, uh, I get frustrated when it's always relegated to the paranormal and the right. and the fringe. 
So, Doc, when uh, I've thought about reaching out to uh, my colleague Wes at Sasquatch Chronicles to tell my encounter, and he always asks people, what do you think Sasquatch is? And I always thought that I would take the approach of reverse engineering it, that, okay, if you take the the thousands of accounts on face value, they they look very different. But, you know, basically an an eight-foot-tall, 600-pound, hairy, Neanderthal-looking man. Uh, But what I don't know is... I don't understand what can breed with what to create what. Uh, could a Gigantopithecus have uh, bred with some sort of early hominid to create something like this? Can you kind of enlighten me on that? Yeah, well, there we're learning more and more about the uh, uh, flow of genes between species populations, and and sometimes it gets a little overblown in the uh, in the press. I mean, species boundaries are pretty are pretty um, well established. Uh, Neanderthals, you know, have the pendulum of political correctness swings back and forth and back and forth. First, it's this bestial, uh, you know, animalistic monstrosity, and then it's our it's our flower our flower child cousin, <laughs> you know, and we're and we're uh, producing. Uh, uh co-producing offspring those matings between neanderthals and homo sapiens were extremely rare and some of them uh some of the contributions uh, uh the gene flow occurred um hundreds of thousands of years ago even before neanderthals were really well established as the classic neanderthals that we have a, a current concept of and it seems that it was purely a one directional flow Hmm. Modern Homo sapiens have a few representations of Neanderthal genes, but the Neanderthal, curiously, the Neanderthal genome, which is now fully sequenced, has nothing that's distinctly human. Homo sapiens yeah. in it, yeah. and that that evokes. I mean, there are there are mechanisms, genetic mechanisms that might come into play that would explain that if there was in in fact a two way, but only the survival of of. Uh, uh, offspring that were sired by male Neanderthals, but um, it also, you know, <laughs> evokes kind of some other interesting scenarios that that often are the, the, the stuff of movie plots, you know, but the point being, I don't think we have to look at a, a mishmash of genes to come up with another um, unusual in, in that it's unknown, I put it that better, better using that term, unknown species. I mean, Gigantopithecus, we know so little about mm-hmm. that it could well be, have been a bipedal hominoid, ape-like uh, species that had converged in those adaptations for upright posture uh, and, and heavy chewing apparatus and so forth that characterized the emergence and diversification of Australopithecines, for example, like the robust Australopithecine, uh, Paranthropus, Boisei, and and other species, related species in South Africa. But in East Africa, we've got this form, which is really quite stunning when you put it up next to uh, what you see on the Patterson-Gimlin film, for example. Point for point, the cranium and skull and face line up. The features are distinct. Uh, Patty, the subject of the film, reflects these very specialized extreme hypertrophy of the chewing apparatus and supporting facial skeleton of this robust creature which gigantopithecus also reflects in some of its uh in in the preserved jaws and teeth that we have this high hypertrophy of the 
enameled, uh, the enameled crowns of the molars and premolars, the reduced canines for allowing for the side to side grinding motion of this heavily chewing uh, prison art, if you will. Um, so there, there are candidates, there are good candidates. I, I don't think we're justified to jump ahead to something like a Neanderthal. A Neanderthal has a brain that's as big or bigger on average than Homo sapiens, than our own. But its behaviors must have been different. Its appearance must have been different. As I said, those matings are very rare. Those two, and this is something people don't think about when they're talking about, you know, all these love children uh, <laughs> popping up. Neanderthals and Homo sapiens coexisted in Europe for potentially tens of thousands of years. And yet for all that duration of, uh, you, you know, not cohabitating, but but being living next door to one another, you could still 20,000 years ago pick up a Neanderthal skull and it looks like a Neanderthal skull and pick up a Homo sapiens, and it looks like a Homo sapiens, and yet not find a bunch of things that were intermediate or hybridized between the two. So something about either the anatomy or behavior of Neanderthals mm. made them not very appealing to Homo <laughs> sapiens as potential potential roommates, you know? it uh, That's fascinating side, and like I said, in, in, the, in the name of political correctness so many times the storytellers in anthropology brush over these very obvious facts that suggest that that these uh, that there were these distinct species mm -hmm. living side by side into the very very recent past. Boy, I, I hope you do more research on that topic. As into this as I am, I've never had that thought in my head before, that yeah. you would think that we would have meshed into one species, but you're right, something anatomically or sociologically or geographically kept us away from each other. That's really fascinating. Uh, yeah. Dr. Jeff Meldrum, professor of anthropology and anatomy at Idaho State University. Jeff, I could talk to you literally the rest of the show. I hope you'll come back. Any projects sure. that we can promote for you, television, books? Well, I, I would, uh, given our talk today, I would, uh, our conversation, I would direct people to the online journal, which I edit, which gives them really ready access. It's entitled The Relic Hominoid Inquiry, a peer-reviewed registered journal in the, we're in our 13th year that provides a platform for submissions of original research, essays, in-depth book reviews, news items, commentaries, etc., relating to this topic of Sasquatch and other relic hominoids around the world. If you just search those keywords, you'll find it very readily, and it's open access, uh, good reading. Excellent. Uh, thank you, Jeff. I uh, I appreciate it. I feel like now when I watch you, I'll be, I'll be watching a friend. So thank you very much for your time. You're quite welcome. Appreciate the chance. Apologize for going long there, but oh, I'm great. also not sorry because yeah. I'm talking sorry, to Jeff sorry. Meldrum, so... When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island. Jam like you're all in the same garage. 
Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. 327 DGS at the uh, bottom of the hour. Dave Murray will join us. I think it's going to be a pretty wet week. And uh, then we have the Think Tank with Steve Elman and uh, Megan from Michael Kelly's group. Wheels, what did you think of that? Uh, that was fantastic. It's fun. Because, you know, what, what I like about it when it's somebody with Jeff Meldrum's background, background in anthropology is you're not getting... Um, an amateur view of things, right? You're getting somebody that understands the fossil record, that understands, um, as he put it, you know, when we're talking about the uh, the evolutionary tree and how it's not just a line straight down, but it's like scattered, and we know so much more now. What are we going to know ten years from now that we don't know? Yeah, that's why I think it's fascinating because if there are that many people around the world seeing similar things, it stands to reason that there may be something that we just haven't had a good look at. I liked, I mean, I love talking to Jeff Meldrum about Bigfoot, but I was way more fascinated by the mainstream stuff yeah. that I never thought of before. Like, yeah, why do we have Neanderthal DNA, but they don't have any Homo sapien DNA? And what kept mm-hmm. us away from each other? Why didn't we interbreed to the point that we were just a blended species at some point? I don't know. I mean, a lot, lot of amateur uh, theories could come out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> like maybe they didn't like each other. Maybe one side owned the other side for a little while. I mean, you know, like, but the the cool thing is though that all of that is getting to be more and more known, right? We're not stuck. Yeah, we haven't been stuck in a rut on this kind of stuff. We've been learning new information like literally every few months about things and, like and that. And I keep coming back to how amazing it is that we're here. You know, like we wouldn't be here if the dinosaurs hadn't been wiped out by the asteroid. And we wouldn't be here if the Homo sapiens hadn't, quote unquote, won out over the Neanderthals and the Cro-Magnons and the Denisovans. And there's so many ways this could have gone. It's mm-hmm. just it's just crazy that we're sitting here talking about it as opposed to a really smart Cro-Magnon guy. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> you know, right. Somebody with a bigger eyebrow. <laughs> exactly. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.
Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. 339DGS, uh, we're going to play you a little uh, Dave Murray here because Dave, uh, at the last minute, had a chance to take his grandchild to Disney, and so he did, and I think that's the best choice to make, but here's what he says about the weather. Well, the good news, the freezing temperatures are gone. The deep Arctic surge is gone as the atmosphere goes into a nice relaxed period. Really, not only for us, but for much of the nation, the deep cold retreating back up into the Arctic. But it's just kind of a relaxation. I'm still expecting one more surge before the end of this winter. So that's something we'll be keeping our eye on over the next three, maybe four weeks or so. Now, we are in a rather unsettled weather pattern, but anything that we're looking at is going to be all in the form of rain. Liquid rain, no ice, no snow, no sleet. So no problems tonight other than rain, and we're going to be about 40 degrees. Wednesday, periods of rain. It's definitely warmer on Wednesday. We'll feel the difference. 52 for the high. Still rain around on Wednesday night, but it's all rain. 42 degrees on Thursday. A lot of clouds, mostly cloudy. A couple of showers, though. I think the rain is going to be somewhat limited on Thursday and about 55 degrees. There's no real big surge of winter on the way. So, again, we're just going to kind of relax here for a little bit. That's a look at the weather. Enjoy the evening. Enjoy tomorrow. And I'll talk to you live tomorrow. So uh, I just want to make a point about something. So my typical day here, people have asked this, and I always feel like it's too self-indulgent, but today it's a good time to, to talk about it. My typical day is about 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. And at 11 a.m. I get here and we all have family lunch together. So once I get to work I don't do a lot of work until 1, and then we do the show until 5, which is pretty sweet. Now, when I go home tonight, I will uh, you know, take care of everything, make a little dinner, get a little DoorDash, uh, get on the couch, under the blankets, turn on cable news, and I'll start working again uh, in, in a very leisurely pace. And in the morning, I get up and I do the same thing. So I'm always working, but my day is only like 11 to 5. Today I got here about 8.15 because I uh, was going to interview Bob for the sound story thing. My point is this. For all of you that work like 8 to 5 or 8 to 6, God love you. I'm tired. Just <laughs> You know, even though uh, I would have worked today all the way up until I left, right. I'm sitting on my couch working. I can go to the bathroom. I can do whatever I want to do. Being at physical work all day, I'm not used to, and it's, it's tough.
I'm ready to go home. <laughs> He's like, I'm tired. I am. <laughs> <laughs> Talked to Jeff Meldrum about Bigfoot. Yeah. We, we, we had a great hour of open lines about Donald Trump, and it's been a good show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wheels, want you to wreck it. Let's hear, let's hear ah, We won't wreck it. Be, we're just going to do some sports with... Uh, with uh, the the stairway today, and do talk about the NFL from the weekend because the ratings are out from the weekend. Oh boy! So the lowest rated game of the weekend was the Texans and Ravens, which was Saturday afternoon, uh, and it was the most watched ESPN game since they started doing games in 1987. Let me stop you there. Is is it because they're not one of the major Cowboys, Chiefs? It's because it's a Sunday Saturday afternoon. Okay, on ESPN. You know, it, it might be a little bit higher number if it was on NBC gotcha. or Fox or whatever. But, I mean, that's the most watched ESPN sporting event yeah. since 1987. I wondered if, like, the heritage NFL teams yeah. did better than the quote-unquote newer well, teams. The, that, that, so, I mentioned that's the lowest one from the weekend. Yeah. So, the next one on the list was the uh, San Francisco Green Bay. Those are two of those legacy yep. franchises that you're talking about. They averaged 37.5 million. Uh, that is the most watched Saturday telecast on any network <laughs> since the 1994 Winter Olympics. Whew. Wow. So 30 years. Mm. is It's been 30 years since there was an afternoon Saturday. Or no, I'm sorry. A Saturday broadcast of any sporting event. Yeah. That has been that big. They had 37.5 million people watching on average. And it was at 41 million in the fourth quarter. Let me say this. Camelax is a great place to advertise. Our advertisers do really well. Yep. That is an amazing place to advertise. The NFL. For two yeah. reasons. One, because you have so many eyeballs, even locally. And two, it's live. Yep. You're, yep. you're not going to buzz through the commercials. You're That's not right. going to go back and DVR it. Like, it's live yep. and tons of eyeballs. Yep. So that was the second lowest rated game. Yep. Uh, the second highest rated game from the weekend was the Lions and the Buccaneers. Uh, they averaged 40 million. They peaked at 49 million in the fourth quarter. It's the most watched divisional round game on NBC since 1993. And then you had the Chiefs and the Bills, the Taylor Swift Bowl, yeah. if you will. <laughs> it was the most watched game of the week. Over 50 million people on average. That's the that's the highest rated playoff football game ever. 50 million. And how, and yet we how, have how... people like Tony Dungy who's saying that people are disillusioned with the NFL because of Taylor Swift. I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so. Because even if people don't like it, they're still watching. Still watching. Yeah. And I think you might have added a few. Probably yeah. not a huge, huge percentage, but you've added at least a few. Yeah. Anecdotally, we've all heard the stories yep. of people who have, you know, daughters that are more interested in it for the moment. Who knows if they'll stay that way? Uh, Debbie Monterey was telling me telling me that the other day about her, her daughter mm-hmm. watching the game. The Chiefs and Bills, who she doesn't watch football at all. Yeah. But there's an added curiosity because of all the other stuff. Would you expect this week to be even bigger? I would think so. I mean, if this trend is going to continue, I mean, the Chiefs are playing again. So, what know, is the Chiefs and Ravens. What is it about football? Well, there. I mean, there's a whole lot of things. One, it's an easy sport to be a casual fan. It's one game a week. You don't have to watch every day. You don't have to pay attention to the stories every day. You just have to watch one day a week, and the games, and 95% of the games are on weekends when people aren't working. So, it, it number one, it's just conducive for it, a casual fan. Gambling is another huge part of it. It is the easiest sport to gamble on because it's a very easy thing to figure the, 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 the point spread. And you have a whole week to decide whether you like the point spread or not. 
and people that are even busy can still have time to learn a little bit about the matchup that they want to that they want to lay money on. And then you just throw in that like I, the sport is really well built for TV. It's really it's it ha- the action happens in a short burst, right? Five six seconds at a time. But then you can watch three replays of that previous play before the next one, or you can get you know shots of the luxury booth with Taylor Swift <laughs> in between there. The NFL is just the perfect storm. And let's be honest, I think the physicality of it is also a draw. People like seeing the biggest, fastest, strongest humans on earth do amazing feats of athleticism. And, you know, it it translates. Football translates because it's very physical, right? We can all understand what it's like to run into a person or have a big person run into you. Uh, Not many people have seen what it looks like for a baseball coming at you 100 miles an hour. And it's just, it doesn't, TV, for TV, basketball and football are the easiest to watch on a screen. Oh. Baseball's a little harder. Hockey's a lot harder for Speaking people that don't watch a lot. Of basketball, didn't a couple guys put up like 70 plus points? Yeah, Joel Embiid just did that. Um, I forget who the other one was. Um, and it was funny, The it was against the Spurs that Embiid put up 70, and they were asking uh, the, the the head coach, Greg Popovich, who I love. He's like a curmudgeon, but he's a great coach. And he would say that people were asking him, how are you going to defend Embiid? He goes, he basically, I'm paraphrasing, like, I don't know. He goes, I can make some stuff up for you, but it doesn't matter. He's going to do what he's going to do. That's how good he is. <laughs> Which guy is that? <laughs> That's Joel Embiid. So he was him. the MVP, plays for the Sixers, big okay. man. Yeah, seven-footer-ish. I mean, he probably might be 6'11", but he's a seven-footer. Then I think someone put up 77. Yeah. And I'm spacing out on who it was. Uh, who was that? Doctor J. <laughs> Mikey Williams. I don't know who that is either. Yeah. Is uh, Will Chamberlain's hundred game still the most? Oh, it's never going to happen. Yeah, that's never going to get challenged. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a different time. That's a you know seven foot two guy who Man was also who was also athletic when big men back then weren't athletic. Yeah. And it's just and then think about it. You basically, he has to shoot every time down the I floor. Never, I, never, <laughs> I never hear Wilt in the conversation. Oh, he's there. I mean, some of it is um, some of it is the era, and they didn't win a lot because the Celtics were amazing during that time when it was hard to beat Red Auerbach Celtics because Wilt was never on a super team. He was on a lot of good teams, but it was about him yeah. where the Celtics were a super team. They yeah. had six Hall of Famers and a greatest coach ever. Tacovis is a terrific boot brand, and they're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making. So they've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots. But they've innovated on comfort, style, and service. As someone who tries to pursue a minimalist lifestyle, I highly value quality over quantity. And I'm telling you, you can't find a higher quality boot than Tacovis. Their Western boots for men and women are handmade. Handmade from the most premium leathers with over 200 time-honored individual steps. Also, did I mention that they are Austin-designed, Texas-tested, and handmade down in the boot-making capital of the world, Leon, Mexico. And also, if you've ever wondered if you can pull off cowboy boots, which is something that I was thinking, you should pull on a pair of Tacovas, and you'll see. Just do a quick search for Tacovas on social media and you'll see how adorably styled these boots can be. Visit tacovas.com, that's T E C O V A S.com, and point your toes west. As we turn the corner into the new year, a lot of people are looking to get healthier. That includes Hero Bread, who have just launched their new recipe using heart healthy olive oil. Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs 
5 to 11 grams of protein and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. All with no compromise on the taste, texture, and bready goodness you expect from your favorites. Now they're listening to their fans and updating their recipe with olive oil, an antioxidant-rich oil that's been shown to reduce cholesterol and minimize the risk of heart disease. Try it today with code HERO10 for 10% off your purchase at HERO.CO. That's code H-E-R-O-10 for 10% off at HERO.CO. Searching for a parenting podcast you'll actually want to listen to? One that covers everything from how to deal with picky eating, how to grieve a pregnancy loss, and how to not hate your partner after having kids? Well, your new favorite podcast, After Bedtime with Big Little Feelings, is here. Hosted by two BFFs, this is a no-shame parenting podcast. Listen to and follow After Bedtime with Big Little Feelings on the free Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts. We have the Think Tank coming up next with Steve Elman and Megan Shackelford. Funny, Wheels was just trying to sell me on a series he, he loves. Foundation. Called Foundation. And uh, after about two minutes of selling, uh, Andrew pointed out the truth that we've all done it. And oh, when yeah. you're trying to sell someone on something that you love and they haven't seen, you seem insane. Uh, <laughs> I'm like running through all this stuff and I'm like, man, it's just like this. And then you got to check this part out. And then there's this other guy. And then there's three of them. I've been there I, so many times. <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, no. Listen to me. Listen to me. <laughs> Dave, can I come over and we and, can watch and, this together? And you can tell the people are sort of like already glazed over. You're like, no, you're not. You don't get it. You got to stick with it, man. And then, of course, the dreaded, like, it gets really good after the first, like, eight episodes. No, 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 no. <laughs> so the if you go look at it on IMDb or whatever, like, the first episode is an 8.1. So it's not like a dog. There are a couple that are boring, but, I mean, you get into a lot of eights and nines yeah. as you get deeper into the show. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them, with more coming in. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future in vehicles, and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. 
That's why Toyota's position today is electrified, diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you, a hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places.